Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tales from Tolt. My name is Dwayne Davidson, your host. This is a program where we discuss the fascinating and rich history of that place we call the Snoqualmie Valley, basically from Monroe to North Bend. focus is on Fall City today. We have uh, two guests that are joining me today, Ruth Pickering and Cindy Parks. Ladies, could you do the the opportunity to uh, introduce yourself and what you do in the association? Uh, I'm Cindy Parks, the past vice president, and I'm a board member now. I've been I've been with uh, the Historical Society since pretty much the beginning. I do a little bit of everything. I don't have one specific job. None of us do. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy is our expert printer collaborator, though, because oh, she knows okay. all about getting things printed and has done good stuff for us. So I'm Ruth Pickering. Cindy and I are both founding board members of the society and been around a long time. I'm kind of the main office person, so I'm kind of the spider in the middle of the web. <laughs> but we all do a whole variety of things, and fortunately, our board members each have different kind of strengths that they bring. So we add up to a great collaboration. I, I think that's a perfect illustration of what historical society is a spider web. You collect <laughs> things and as soon as you got them, you don't let them go. <laughs> that's, that's good. So you, you've talked, both of you have alluded to the history that you've both been charter members. Approximately how old is the, the society? We were founded in 2007, 2007. And I don't know if you're aware, but there is an encyclopedia of Fall City history. And it was written by Jack Kelly and published in 2007. We really came in on the coattails of that book. He spent 15 years researching Fall City history after he retired. And then we spent three years getting all that material he had put together ready to publish. And during that time in Fall City, there was just so much excitement and so much interest in Fall City history that we kind of decided, you know, look, we really need our own historical society. So we were formed at that time, which was interesting. Yeah, interesting. Historical societies take on all sorts of shapes and forms. Uh, Some of them have a museum, some do not. Some do different types of events. Some of them really hit their uh, web outreach in a very big way. And others uh, like to rely on people coming and doing walking tours and so on and so forth. They could go on and on. Every every one of them kind of developed their own unique entity, depending upon their collection and and depending upon what the local community wants, I guess. What characteristics do you think make a Fall City Historical Society stand out? What's, What's unique about you? Well, there are a lot of things. We do have an online collection, and there's kind of an interesting story about that. I mentioned that we really came together because of Jack Kelly's book, and Jack and Judy Kelly, who put together that material, gave us all of their research material for the book, and they gave us numerous collections from families of theirs. So they were really kind of our God family. And the most important thing, which we didn't realize at the time, is Judy Kelly gifted us with the industry standard uh, museum software, the past perfect software. 
which is the only way to go, but I don't know that we even really knew about it. But the mm. thing that surprised us wonderfully later was in 2014, all of the groups who had cataloged things on Past Perfect at that time could have those collections available online for an additional hosting charge. So, you know, I don't think we started out to think we'd have an online collection. And if we had, we wouldn't have known how to do it. So it was just this wonderful bolt out of the blue that all the work we put in now was going to be available online. And uh, I just want to inject, interject myself into this conversation right now and tell the listeners of this program that if you have not checked out what Ruth has been talking about, you should, because it is a wonderful website. I've been there myself. It is a, uh, it's a wonderful collection of photographs and, and history of the Fall City area. And Ruth, could you help me remember how they can actually find that, its address? Well, our main website, you can just Google Fall City Historical Society and it'll come up, but it's fallcityhistorical.org. And if you go on that main website, then there is a button that takes you to the online collections. And we and get um, a lot of requests from people for photos that they've seen online or for research on families that come through that website. Very, very interesting. What about outreach in the way of programs to maybe schools and, and other uh, entities like that? Is, have you folks done anything in that regards? Cindy, why don't you do outreach? Yeah, I, lo I love uh, doing stuff because we do not have a brick and mortar museum. And so we make up for that by doing a lot of different events. Um, sadly, last year and this year, we're not having our big Fall City Day celebration, but years past, we always look, to, look forward to in June to Fall City Day. And we have the historical pavilion. It's three tenths big, and we have different. We have a different theme every year. You know, we we set it up. We've done pillars of the community. We've done the hop craze. We've had the Snoqualmie tribe uh, come in. Boy, they shared wood carving, and we had everyday home. We had somebody doing weaving. Uh, just a variety of different different things. So Fall City Day it, it is a great one, and we also have an annual community meeting that we get a speaker and invite the community to come to an evening presentation. And, you know, we've had things, uh, the history of quilts. We had um, PSE come and give us the history of the power plant up at Snoqualmie Falls. Uh, we had Tinkham Road is a great local uh, singing group and they came and sang old time logging songs. It was the best. Every year there's a holiday market uh, at the middle school and we always have a booth there. We sell our history in your hand items. We have um, uh, cups and mugs and we have a beautiful calendar we produce every year. And we get to meet people in the community. It's, it's fabulous, always a lot of questions and answers. And then we look for opportunities to do pop-ups. We do window displays in town. If there is a business that's not being used and there's a vacant storefront, we've gotten permission to put up uh, different topics. You know, we'll fill the windows up with information for people. Uh, we did a, a week-long pop-up at our Fall City Library, which was fabulous. We brought in, we brought in to the meeting room, we brought in furniture and, you know, ironing board and desks. And we had sewing a sewing machine. Yeah, sewing machine. And uh, we had an area set up like for school with old-fashioned school desks. And 
you know, that was wonderful. We have um, a, a big hit was um, in the middle table. We have a collection called What Is This? And, you know, they're crazy little things that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I've accumulated. Tools and gadgets that people don't Tools know what they did. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like a candle snuffer and a shifter. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had the, the best one, the best one. If you get kids coming by, we have a chamber pot. And <laughs> what do you think this is? You know, and they pick it up and take the lid off. And, you know, oh, is it for canning? Is it for this? Then you tell them what it's for. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> I remember you know, seeing in one of the museums when I was on the East Coast, the uh, the bed warmer thing where they put poles in a little. Yes. Uh, like uh, and they actually sit right between thing. the sheets. And it kind of looked like the collection plates that they used to use in the old <laughs> colonial churches that were on end of a stick, you know, and they mm -hmm. kind of shook it right there in front of your face uh and so uh yeah you put coals in it you warmed up your bed before you come in you know i just want to make an observation here about all this outreach you've been uh, talking about uh, cindy i'm not going to say one is better than the other especially if an association has the opportunity like carnation to use a historic house that is almost like a museum piece on its own uh, uh museums are great to have but in some ways not having a museum actually frees a lot of time up for people to do all this outreach in other ways that might actually be interjecting yourself into the pathways of everyday humans that will see the work more than, come on, let's face it, I will go to any museum in any town at any given time, but to some of the population, they're just buildings with things that kind of smell funny now. This is kind of, in a way, could you describe it almost as like liberating? I think I agree because we really did stop and look seriously at one little historic building in Fall City at one point. But, you know, we figured out what it would cost us in terms of time and expenses. And we just didn't feel it was the wise thing to do to take that on. Yeah, well, yeah. And Fall City Days has to give you an opportunity to make a lot of contacts there because that's been a popular event for oh how many years that's been going on for a long time long time yeah we always remember, look forward to that it sounds like there's a, a lot of neat outreach happening and i do hope that people get a chance to uh, check out the uh, uh website because you folks have done a fabulous job in that and a lot of times i know i'm going to talk about the like dirty politics if you will or the the secret of uh, of historical society sometimes some folks i'm not saying anybody in particular but have been reluctant to share things online because then that might possibly decrease membership uh, um, uh, traffic to the museums, which would then decrease you know revenue that they desperately need to uh, keep going. And so I like it, the fact that you don't have a museum, it encourages you to put that stuff online and make it available because there's some people like me that like to love to do genealogy research online and uh, and uh, it's it's nice when you can find that kind of information and. Uh, and see some of those pictures. So um, when I, uh, we're gonna take just a, a, a quick little break. And when we come back, I would like to talk about the fact that a little bit about the history of Fall City. What's this thing that the name and the town is called Fall City, but you're not a city, uh, you've never incorporated. We'll begin conversation there when we uh, come back from this uh, short break. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your Valley community radio station. 
Remember to join us at 1 p.m. on Sunday for Animal Radio. Animal Radio is America's most listened to pet show. The nearly two-hour celebration of our pets is hosted by veterinaire talent Al Abrams and Judy Francis. So tune in, 1 p.m. Sunday, Animal Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Jay Fisk, host of Keeping Track of Giving Back in the Valley. We're the show that's on every week, and we talk about nonprofits that help all of us who live, work, and play here in the fabulous Snoqualmie Valley. You can catch us at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday, and then we do an encore presentation on Monday at 6.30 p.m. That's 5.30 Sunday evening and 6.30 on Monday for Keeping Track of Giving Back in the Valley right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Hi, I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian, investigative nutritionist, and host of Food Sleuth Radio, the show that helps us think beyond our plates, connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. If you care about the food you eat, then join me on Sundays at 3 p.m. on Valley 104.9 FM for Food Sleuth Radio. Please join Interim City Manager Bob Jean and me, Mayor Kimless, for Carnation Currents. Sundays at 5 p.m., Thursdays 5.30 p.m., and Fridays 6 p.m. on Valley Radio 104.9 FM for the latest updates of Carnation. Welcome back. Before the break, I announced that we were going to talk about the fact that the city of uh, Fall City is not a city, but I actually was reminded by looking down at my program that I kind of jumped ahead and there's a really important topic that we want to talk about, and that is a couple of the major projects that they've done at at Fall City. So, uh, Ruth, can you uh, tell me a little bit about what those have been? Sure can. very first project started early on, we had gotten a lot of help and support from the Issaquah Historical Society. And on one of our visits, we saw on their shelf a little book called Preserving the Stories of Issaquah, which is a memory book. And there is kind of a set process for doing that, which we'd be glad to share with anyone. But we spent three years gathering stories and memories from people in the community. And it was, it was just a great project, both because we ended up with a wonderful book and because we really just got established in the community more. You know, people got to know us and we got to know them. What you do in part for that is make up a workbook with pages with questions in different areas for people to share their memories. And then our agreement with folks was when we got one back, we would copy it. And then the original would stay with the family of whoever wrote it. And people really liked that. You know, that was a gift to them. So that was a wonderful project. It also brought in a lot of donations to us which was great. Well, how then, fascinating and interesting. And it, it automatically gets all of that volunteer help of helping you get a, uh, a lot of new stuff to your collection by involving families into this. So that, what, that's right. How neat, yeah. Yeah, we had 54 authors on that book. Wow. And 18 of them were people who had actually attended Fall City High School. And the last graduating class there was in 1944. 1944. So we had some oldsters and we are grateful we did it when we did because a lot of them are no longer with us. So that is really, that's so blessed to hear because I know a lot of these oral history projects that you hear about and, and it's a, there's a race for time. We were 
the folks know I actually live in Kennewick now uh, in the Tri-Cities and there was a huge attempt to try to gather information from people at the Hanford area before they were all gone because unfortunately they're just passing away at a rapid pace and there's a lot of neat local history that uh, have, hasn't actually been put down pen and paper so well good and and was that it for the uh, well, that was the one of our coherent projects the other okay. one was recently that we started in 2015 to make historical signs to go all around Fall City. And that was a big project. We made over the course of five years, we made 15 historical signs. And each one of those has a QR code on it, which allows you to link to a much more lengthy report and more photographs on that particular site. So oh, now we have, a, we have a historic signs tour map so you can walk, do a walking tour around and look at all the signs. And that was a lot of work, but I think people are really enjoying it. That is so neat. And it gets them, and, and it gets them aware of the web, uh, website by that the QR link will get them uh, used to finding Fall City Historical Society on the web. So, right. so right. fascinating, fascinating. Well, man, what, what neat projects you guys have done. It sounds like you a lot of good ideas in, uh, incorporated. And I'm really... Uh, I really appreciate it because it is such a fascinating community, uh, having only grown, grew up only like four or five miles away from uh, that. And I can remember going to Fall City Days as a kid and knew many of the families that uh, whole, had businesses uh, in Fall City when that knew my family. And it's just a fascinating place. And like I said a little bit earlier, it actually is not a city at all. It's a community, a very tight community. Uh, but uh, has there ever been any attempts, uh, you're the historians, have there ever been any attempts to actually incorporate? You know, I don't have that at hand. There was one time quite early when there was a petition that was going around to incorporate Fall City, but people didn't support it. And North Bend I, and Kwame really looked down their noses at us. <laughs> they thought we were <laughs> really weird that we wouldn't incorporate. <laughs> so I, the, you know, I like I, I like being it, just an unincorporated rural town. It seems like, you know, when something needs to be done, people don't say, well, gee, we better go check with the government or have, you know, the government go take care of this. They say, let's get a group together and volunteer and go get it done. There you go. I like there's that. The, I, I like that. The, the totem pole in the middle of town, you know, with a little garden in there and it's volunteers that take care of that. You know, all the cherry trees along the, the river, you know, volunteers take care of that. So it's just um, people just see something that needs to be done and they get it done. You know, there, there's a lot of different volunteer groups. And there's a very active Fall City Community Association and various King County offices have been great at sending representatives to those meetings. So if we had questions, we could raise them. In fact, I remember one time us laughing and looking around and saying, how's King County getting any work done? You're all here. <laughs> Kathy Lambert always comes. <laughs> Kathy and, and and Kathy, shout out to Kathy, a, a good personal friend of mine, and and someone that really has fought for uh, some uh, grants to uh, projects throughout the Suquamish Valley, and she just is really committed to preserving a local history, and she deserves a praise for that. So I'm glad you mentioned her name. She's yes. a great advocate for us. Yes, she a, uh, you mentioned. The, I'm sorry. She helped start the uh, community service area department, which makes grants to unincorporated areas. 
and they gave us grants for two of our really large, expensive historical signs. Both of you mentioned just in, uh, very recently the river. And one of the things I find, uh, there's a one picture, and I guess it's because I am a boater. I have a book that, that just, it just fascinates me. And I want any viewers that, uh, or any listeners, you know, many of you to come out and tube the river. You drive across a bridge at least and you see the river. And it's amazing to me, especially how low the river can get at times, that there was one essential form of travel and very, very early on in Fall City. And there's some, I believe that you may even be able to find this picture on your website, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen this picture of two uh, river boats, or maybe it was just one, I don't remember, but a, a river boat uh, tied up at Fall City. Yes. And I just find that fascinating that they brought a stern wheeler up to Fall City. Can you guys talk about that at all? And can they find a picture of that on the on the web? It is available. I would we'd have to look it up. But okay. you're right that for a fairly restricted period, that was a very important transportation of bringing supplies to the farmers and bringing supplies and towing trails of logs down to logging places. And it was very active. So, but just a, what the ferry, I was always amazed to hear that the, 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 the boats could go down to the port of Everett. Mm -hmm. That we have that one picture of them loading milk cans onto a, a mm -hmm. boat down at the river. Yeah, yeah. we kind of forget that supplies, if there were supplies bought, purchased in Seattle, they had to go by sailing ship up to Everett and then all the way up the rivers to reach the Snoqualmie Valley. I mean, that was a heck of a trip. Amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Amazing that uh, how much something we just take so for granted. We see the river and we see it's rather low and you think, well, it wouldn't be able to keep a boat afloat there. Well, the truth is sometimes it didn't and they had to wait for the water. And that meant you had to wait for your cast iron stove to be brought to you because <laughs> there was enough water in the river to navigate the boat. So, and with the falls there, you folks were the terminus of the rail of the uh, river traffic. I mean, yep. you can't go much further than Fall City. And hops was a lot of us remember dairy and fruit and uh, uh, vegetables. I know that Fall City had their berry farms. Uh, Mr. Koba, if I remember right, if I remember right from my childhood, Mr. Koba had a berry field and some others, and there was a few dairies around, and that was a popular industry. When I was growing up, but before all that started, hops was a very important industry and a very important agricultural uh, industry in this in the, uh, the Snoqualmie Valley. And Fall City gets dibs on having a, a, a relic of history that goes back that signifies that. You want to talk about the little structure that's there in Fall City that uh, reminds us that hops were once a big uh, industry here? Yes, the hop shed that sits in the park across the river from us was built in 1888. And there was a period they call the hops craze, which was just an incredible agricultural revolution in Western Washington. It was fairly short lived. I mean, it started maybe in the early 1880s and was over with by early 1900s. But it came about in part because our climate uh, let it lend itself to raising hops, but mainly because the huge hop industries in Europe all got hit with a pest pays with aphids that wiped out their hop vines. And so Europe was importing large amounts of hops and people during this period could get incredible prices for the hops they grew. Oh, this is fascinating. So, I didn't know this. Yeah. I, that, oh, so there was a real reason behind this. Yes, right. And then unfortunately, 
as always, hop starts. Too many people were raising hops and the price started to go down. And then the Europeans got over their hops thing. So it didn't last really long, but it was quite an amazing thing. And you don't realize what a complex thing growing hops was. I mean, the growing itself wasn't that hard because they're a perennial vine that comes from roots that are planted. But after they're picked, they have to be very carefully processed. They have mm -hmm. to be dried very carefully and then allowed to cool off and then bagged and compressed into burlap-wrapped bales before they can be transported. And it, it took a lot of know-how to do it correctly, to know exactly when to pick them and stuff. So this, this uh, building that exists in Fall City was a hot drying shed. Yes. And, and I think people can still get to, it used to be so visible from 203 and it doesn't seem yes. to be as much anymore. But if, uh, if uh, you're listening to this program and you're not aware that that is there, you should check it out because uh, we have a few of these uh, old uh, buildings dedicated to this uh, purpose in Eastern Washington, but I don't think there's very many left in Western Washington. And, and so yeah. that's something that really makes a, a Fall City stand out. And, uh, and railroads did come to town, although they didn't come quite to town. They were- right. uh, up, up Lake Alice Road was where the depot ended up, yes. And that's, just for folks to understand, that's about how far away from- uh, It's about two and a half miles, I think, up to the depot but it was rather a hairy road to get up there. <laughs> it was very steep in spots. It wasn't an easy thing. Well, it gets too hairy. Fortunately, the graveyard was also out there. Somebody saw. <laughs> <laughs> <True. laughs> well, hey, uh, uh, we're getting close to time. And so I want to uh, give this opportunity to say that I know that every society or every entity like this with a mission requires an awful lot of help. And sometimes people think that they have to be connected to a family that goes back 100 years, and that's not the case. There is uh, so much in the talents that are needed. Uh, we've heard some of those talents tonight uh, that uh, every group is needed. So I I'd like to encourage younger people to get involved with the association. You Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Do you have some newer members, some younger members? And what are some of the kind of talents you guys, you folks could use there? Well, we could sure use some steady help in our office. You know, we have a small office, but it has all those office things that go on. You know, somebody needs to monitor the email and handle the invoices and file things and do all kinds of stuff and respond to research requests. So we would love to find someone with some strong design experience. You know, we have articles each month in the Fall City Neighbors newsletter. And we have posters and we have flyers and we have other things that we need to do. And it would be great to have somebody with some real design skills to help with those kind of things and help uh, decide on things for the newsletter. The memory book that I mentioned earlier is, is we're having its 10th year anniversary this year. So it'd be great to have someone who isn't familiar with it to look through and say, oh, wow, this would be a nice piece for a newsletter article. You know, that's, that that's good. Fresh eyes yeah. are good. Yeah. 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 That's really good to hear. And they would do that by going to the website. And I'm sure there's a contact. You can contact us via email on the website. Yeah. I'll just say it so you guys don't have to. There's also always a need in an entity like this for a little bit of the thing that makes the world go round. And so if you can part with a little bit of yours and send it to the uh, society, uh, uh, I'll say it so they don't have to. That <laughs> is a, a very, a very nice thing to do because I can tell you 
that uh, the amount of work and hours that people like uh, Ruth and Cindy put into a, a thing like this is just incredible. We're so, we should be so thankful for all the, the work that they uh, do. Anybody that can make a contribution to continue that mission because there's so much work to do and some of it isn't cheap. When you get into historical preservation of photographs, especially and other things, some of it to do it right is not very cheap and it takes a little bit of money. Isn't that correct? True. It's true. That is true. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, I've been a treasure most of my life, so I know how to ask for money. Good. <laughs> usually when people see me coming, they usually run the other way because they know that's going to be part of the conversation. Or get out their checkbook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, this has been a delightful talk to the folks of, do uh, you think there's anything I'm missing that we should have uh, talked about? we got a couple minutes left. Boy. I don't know if there's an event to be had. We're usually we can usually throw something together really quick and show up. <laughs> Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So you talked about what you did, but if someone is having an event around the Fall City area and you're looking to ways to increase exhibits and things at that kind of event, and you want people to be thoroughly entertained at whatever you might be doing, think about inviting the Fall City Historical Society that we could come out and put out a display and uh, uh, help your organization uh, do, a, do a great event because that's what they like to do. So thank you for bringing that up. People ought yeah. to really be aware uh, that you folks will be uh, willing to do that. And uh, that's part of the outreach that you do. Good yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Next week, we will be talking to the folks at the Duval Historical Society, and then we're going to be bouncing back and doing a visit the following week uh, to folks in the uh, upper Snoqualmie Valley. That's the schedule for the next couple of weeks, and I hope you come back and join us. So thank you, everybody. Thank you.